there, I'm Andrea Koppel, and it's time for Coffee, the podcast where you get to hear firsthand what the jobs and careers that interest you the most are really like. Hey there, Java junkies. What's going on? How's life? Hope you're firing on all pistons. And if not, take a deep breath. And please know that we all go through our ups and our downs in our careers and in our lives and at school. By the way, if you haven't already signed up for the Java Junkies Journal, that's the weekly T4C Communities newsletter, giving you a sneak peek at the episodes coming up that week, please head over to the Time for Coffee website at time4coffee.org and you can sign up right there, right now on the homepage. Okay, now grab your mug and take a chug of your favorite caffeinated beverage because it's time for another caffeinated career conversation. And my guest today is someone who was there with me when I went through an incredibly difficult time in my early 40s. That's because she was my agent when I was a television correspondent at CNN. Today, she's moved up in the world and represents stars like ABC News Good Morning America's host Robin Roberts, among many other incredible incredibly talented people. Sharon Chang is a vice president and a talent agent in the non-scripted TV department, which we'll get into, at the William Morris Endeavor Entertainment, where she represents, manages, and develops a diverse and top-tier roster of broadcast cable, syndicated, regional, and digital news, sports, and entertainment hosts, anchors, correspondents, contributors, lifestyle personalities, and production companies. Sharon, welcome to Time for Coffee. Are you caffeinated and ready to go? Oh my goodness. Andrea, first, it is a pleasure to do this. I'm honored. I'm humbled. And so great to to reconnect with you. And congratulations on your podcast. This is very, very exciting. Oh, you're so sweet. Thank you. Yeah. And in terms of being caffeinated, the way that I deal with coffee is I usually do half calf. So it's a little bit of decaf and the rest caffeine. And then I drink cold water and then I'm raring to go. So all good every day. You do not need caffeine to be ready to go. I know that. I know you like the taste, <laughs> Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Sharon, let's start off right out of the gate with maybe explaining to Java junkies what it means to be a talent agent in the non-scripted television department at WME Endeavor. So a lot of times when people hear the words non-scripted, they think, wow, is it reality television? Are we talking about The Bachelor or Housewives of New York City? (laughs) Those types of things. Non-scripted. Non-scripted actually means what it says, not scripted. So the department that I work in within WME and Endeavor is anything that is not a drama or comedy, nothing that involves acting. It's television news and sports and entertainment hosts or anchors or correspondents or reporters, or it could be we work with production companies that produce shows on the Discovery Network or all over premium and basic cable. So it could be something that's not talent focused like show on CNN. Like there was a series called the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, that series. And it wasn't talent focused. It was just all about talking about those decades. 
decades. We put that show together with our production companies, and that is a part of the non-scripted umbrella. But also non-scripted can mean a game show. We're involved with the game show The Wall on NBC or with Dancing with the Stars on ABC. So it's all-encompassing, but it is not scripted. So that's what that means. Got it. And then as a talent agent, what are your various responsibilities? So there's probably about six components to it. The biggest and most important component is to recruit and sign the best talent that we can try to recruit and sign. Because if you don't have a good roster of talent, whether it's an individual on-air person or someone who's off-air like a production company, if you don't have the best talent, then you're not able to have them grow any type of business. You're not able to sell them. So that's the first piece is to recruit and sign good talent. The second piece is to strategize. Once we recruit and sign someone, we start to think strategically about, okay, so what are we going to do with your career? If you're working at a certain place, how are we going to enhance that situation that you're at? How are we going to build your career? Whether again, it's an individual talent or it's a producer or it's a production company. So I strategize after that. After that, after we figure out the strategy, we then pitch to the various buyers that are out there. And buyers would mean these networks that you see on TV, ABC, NBC, CBS, Discovery, Bravo, MTV, you name it, HBO. But also now there's Netflix, there's Hulu, there's Amazon. Those are like the video on demand entities. Then there's also Twitter and Facebook, like social media. They're buying as well. But there's also marketing. So we deal with brands. We're pitching to brands from Nike. Okay, they're into it right now to Toyota. So it's across the board within the industry. Next component is negotiating. Once you pitch a client to a buyer and they then make an offer, then you negotiate the client's deal with the buyer. So that what negotiations entail would be how much money will they pay the client? Are there perks like clothing allowances or hair and makeup, et cetera. So you're involved with negotiations. Then after you negotiate and you close a deal or you get the deal done, then the job of advising and providing guidance is very key to the client as well as business development. So continuing to develop their career. It's not like you negotiate and then you're out of their life. And then when it's time to renegotiate the deal, you come back into the client's life. No, it's an ongoing conversation. It's ongoing being a guide and advisor and helping to figure out how are we going to grow you as a brand, as a talent, or as a production company? You know, I feel that one of the ways that the industry has changed just in the 11 years since I left broadcasting television is that I didn't used to think of myself as a brand. We didn't have Twitter. We didn't have, we weren't using Facebook. I mean, I worked for CNN, which was, I thought, kind of a 24-7 operation because there was a news wire and you had, of course, headline news and CNN International and CNN Domestic. And holy cow, has it changed, Sharon? A thousand percent. Agree. Yep. That is so true, Andrea. And so what has that meant for you as an agent? How have you had to adapt and change as 
the industry and the world that the industry operates in has changed? The biggest change, Andrea, that I've experienced is really being very, very picky and strategic about the talent. And, you know, when I say talent, I broaden that not just individuals, but production companies and producers that we sign, that they have to be able to be multifaceted enough. Yes, they might be a great news correspondent, but do they also have the potential of writing a book? Do they also have the potential to do a speaker series? Do they have a point of view to do a podcast or one day have ideas to you know, come up with a television idea that they can partner with a production company with? So it's an entrepreneurial mindset that we've had to change to. So those days of, all right, let's take someone and nothing against a small market, local news person, nothing against those types of talent. But now it's more of, okay, how can we take whoever we're going to sign and build a business? And then also we're signing influencers. We are signing digital stars, you know, like it's completely different mindset across the board in terms of the types. It's less of the traditional type of talent that we would have signed years ago and more of a non-traditional entrepreneurial approach. So take us into a day in your life, in your professional life, Sharon. What are you doing when you first wake up? Are you like checking social media now? And then how does your day progress? How do you like to organize your days? So one important thing for me when I'm starting out my day, and sometimes I make this mistake, I, you know, you get your phone when you first wake up and you're kind of looking through email, but I try to avoid that immediately and really start to, it's not meditate, but it's more of, there's a spiritual side of me just in terms of maybe reading a scripture to kind of start my day or a passage of scripture just to really kind of get myself focused in on my day. Because ultimately, I think in my heart is I want to make an impact. I want to make somehow, how can I make an impact, whether it's on the clients that I'm working with or the buyers that I'm interfacing with or my coworkers or whatever. So just kind of really starting to start my mind that way. And then I have a 90 minute commute. That's it. That encompasses a drive to a commuter train and then taking an express train and then taking kind of like a subway path train to my final destination. So I do have some time then to whether there are phone calls or to take care of some emails, immediate emails on my train ride. When I get to the office, the first thing I do after I have my coffee is to have my assistant and I just kind of either go through the day or go through some outstanding things that happened the night before or that I need to deal with in the morning. On a Monday, though, I usually map out my game plan and my goals for the week. So every client, what do I have to do with each client? What do I have to do with certain buyers? So I'm kind of mapping that out. Then my days are normally filled with conference calls and meetings. And usually when I call a buyer or call someone, we're playing telephone tag all day. So I usually send an email to them and say, can we set a call, you know, so that we have something on the books? 
And so normally it's filled with conference calls. When it comes to my colleagues, because we have several offices within our non-scripted group, one in New York, one in LA, one in London, with my colleagues, I can call easily during the day and they return my calls. So throughout the day, conference calls, meetings that are already set. And these calls would be with clients or buyers, prospective buyers, brands, doing a lot of emailing throughout the day. And the West Coast gets to be a little challenging because their day continues when my days apparently ends. So I do try to get back on a commuter train at around 6.30. <laughs> and when I get home, like usually that ride back, I'm on with the West Coast from time to time. And there are times where I'm on the phone at 9 p.m. my time with someone from the West Coast or a client or a colleague. I try to reserve some time for myself between 9 p.m. and maybe 11, but I am really bad at getting good sleep. Okay. It's very, very bad. I get to bed at midnight, sometimes one in the morning, and it's really not good. I need to exercise a lot more regularly. I try to do it at least three times a week. Sometimes I end up squeezing in two times when I get home. But so it's like my adrenaline is always moving, but I do need to really discipline myself a little more when it comes to getting good sleep. Yes. I have to tell you later this week, I'm going to be interviewing a doctor, he's a psychologist, and this other professional, they've co-authored a book for parents of younger children, but their bottom line is the effect that lack of sleep has on your brain is a hugely damaging impact. It's very important. I mean, that's another, that's a whole nother topic. Sharon, it sounds like those are some 14, 16-hour days. <laughs> it could get into that for sure. But there are times, even on the weekends, that I choose to have a, I call it a smartphone diet or an iPad diet, so to speak, and just kind of stay away from it. But I'm usually warned before if there's a call or some type of urgency that might need to happen in the evening or perhaps during the weekend. It doesn't happen every week, but there's like once in a while, I might have to handle a situation, but I'm trying to get better at it. One of the things that is pretty intriguing here is that each year we have an agent retreat. And normally you would think that during the agent retreat, we would have TED Talks. Basically, it's filled with TED Talks, right? And these talks, at first I thought, oh, it's going to be all about how to be a better agent and the top 10 things you need to do to be a better agent. These TED Talks have nothing to do with that. A lot of them are, how do you get good sleep? Are you taking good care of yourself? Are you playing hard because you work hard? What does social media really do to your brain? It's something interesting that our owner, Ari Emanuel and Patrick Weitzel, owners, they are emphasizing these other things that we need to do in order to perform in order to be our best selves. And not burn out. Exactly, exactly. And I haven't been great with it, but I know that I need to do something about making that change. Sharon, what about after hours or before work entertainment? How often do you have to either meet clients or meet the folks that you're pitching your clients to for drinks or go to social events or meet them for breakfast? How often does that happen? Yeah, that can happen at least. It's not every week. 
I can control that a lot. Last week was a little bit hectic where I ended up going to the US Open semifinals, having a client there and we had a box and all that. And it was a late night. And then the next night we have a client who was starting at a new company and they had a party for her. So I went to that. That normally doesn't happen where I'm doing something twice in one week after hours. I do like to go home because I live in the suburbs and I love the atmosphere of getting away from the city. I welcome it. I am just really zoning out and zoning out in my car as I'm driving because you can't check email or anything when you're driving, you know, and all of that. So it's just several times a month, but I control it. And then I try to have lunches more than dinners. And I do travel mostly, I would say, during spring and summer, maybe once a month. But then after that, it's controllable. Okay, good. Good. Sharon, I want to flash back to when you were an undergrad at Vassar and you were an English major. Did you know what you were going to do with that degree? Not at all. I mean, it was one of those things where I was so heavily involved in drama at Vassar. It was really fascinating. I was in a lot of plays, even though I was an English major, and I thought I was going to do something with that. And then my drama professor was the one that said, have you thought about the television industry? And I was like, what? And he was talking about being on the air. So may have followed your footsteps, Andrea, but- And you would have been amazing. Oh, I don't know about that. But I decided then and there, as he was having me think about those things, I preferred to be behind the scenes than anything and help to determine what's on the air or what's on that platform, you see. And, you know, I wanted to be a producer, a news producer. That was kind of floating in my mind. And this was more my senior year in college and kind of landed in the sports industry at the beginning at CBS Sports. But then from there, just again, being behind the scenes was just really in my way of thinking, in my gut. And I never knew, I mean, anything goes if you enter the business. You just don't know. Things change even now. They're changing so much ways of seeing content and where it's landing is so different so that being flexible and being adaptable is very, very important, I think, for young people. And it was for me, but it's even more so now for anyone thinking of getting in the industry as well. But you don't necessarily have to know specifically what you want to do, but just have a general idea of just the general industry. So Sharon, we'll get into how you got your first job out of college in a moment. Before we do, you mentioned being involved in drama. Were there any other extracurriculars or clubs or sororities or internships that you had that you think actually did help prepare you for the professional world? What was interesting is we had this radio station called WVKR, and I was a, I was a news update person for WVKR, where I had to tear off copy and just rewrite it and just do these news updates. That was a lot of fun. But I was also, outside of drama, just very active with music. I love, you know, I play the piano, and so just being in acapella groups, all those things. And then also I love to write. And that's one of the things that I'm going to emphasize. Being a good communicator through written communication or verbally is just very, very key. Being able to communicate well on many, many levels. That will go a long way no matter what industry we're talking about. For the record, I think you would have made a terrific journalist if you had decided to go into it. <laughs> 
Oh, no. (laughs) Thank you, though. Sharon, how did you get your first job out of school? And what was it? Was it in the sports industry? Yeah. What was fascinating is that a Vassar alum, her name is Missy Rennie, I can say her name, who she was at the time the executive producer of CBS Sunday Morning, which is very popular right now, even though it has an older audience. But she was basically the EP of that. And it's always good to try to connect with your alumni network within colleges. Very, very key because everyone's working in so many different industries and they love having informational interviews. So I tapped into Missy and tried to see if there was any entry level opportunities with CBS News. And at the time there weren't. I had to make some money. So I was temping. And lo and behold, I happened to land a temp job at CBS Sports as a temporary receptionist. And that was the network, the National Sports Division, the broadcast network. And so two weeks into that position, I was offered a full-time position as the receptionist at CBS Sports. I was, like I said, are you kidding me? To myself, I'm not going to, like I went to Vassar. I was a little cocky there. I went to Vassar. I'm not going to be a receptionist. And I don't want sports. I want news. So I go back to Missy and I told her, what do you think? She said, you need to take that receptionist position and then you get your foot into that network door and you'll then be able to get to news much easier. Before I could accept the position, though, HR came back to me and offered me a job working as an assistant to two executive producers at CBS Sports. They said, you know what? I have a better position for you. We'd like for you to work for two executive producers. That was really the start of my career in television, even though I wasn't a sports hound. I just loved television and I never ended up at CBS News during my time within the CBS Corporation. So I always stayed in the sports division, but behind the scenes. Got it. Sharon, one of the questions that I try to ask all my Time for Coffee guests is to share a time in their professional life when they really hit a wall. I've already talked about or alluded to when CNN didn't renew my contract in 2007. And after 14 years, suddenly I was no longer at CNN and had to reinvent myself. That has been one of a couple things that has happened to me, probably a lot more, that I actually look back on fondly and say it was really all for the best. Do you have a story that you could share? Absolutely. Absolutely. One of the times that I really experienced a really low point was when I was an agent with IMG. And I started really without getting into any specific names. I was experiencing a situation where either folks who had less experience than I did or were just kind of coming up the ranks were getting bigger opportunities, better opportunities. They were given bigger clients when I had to really pound the pavement and get my hands dirty and recruit clients versus they were given big clients and getting the accolades and all of that. And I felt like the invisible woman, so to speak. And I also, you know, there was one time where one person who was a female who was just starting out and just kind of below me, she was given the same title that I had, even in spite of all of the experience that I brought when I came to IMG. It was 12 years of being at CBS and then transitioning over to IMG. And then this person, after probably two years of being out of college or three, getting the 
same director title. And that really just ticked me off. And then ultimately, I pushed to be promoted to a VP. But what I ended up doing, which was probably, I don't know if I ever have regrets, but I ended up just really retreating and just siloing myself, going to my office, pouring everything I could into all of my clients, but really not engaging with my coworkers like I should. And almost even just being a little curt with the female that was getting bigger opportunities. And I look back and I said, that wasn't her fault in terms of her getting these opportunities. It was the big bosses, you know what I mean, that did that. And so I spent my time just really kind of being miserable within my work environment and always bringing it home to my husband and complaining about it and really not using it. I think I used it to energize me to be a better agent with my clients because that's what I was pouring everything into. But I feel like especially now, it's so important for women to empower other women and to be more collaborative, more supportive and encouraging. And everyone has room in the tent, you know, but I think I was at that time, I was miserable at just feeling mistreated, kind of like, woe is me. And that was a downer. But then I look back and I said, I shouldn't have approached it that way. That was what I felt like doing in the moment. In the moment, I just retreated in that way. And I learned from that. And I'm learning even more now as I look back what I shouldn't have done and what I think I will encourage young people to always do. Like there's more than one room in the tent. That's why I say to some of my female clients who are wonderful and they're like, wow, this opportunity happened to my female peer and I'm happy for them because they deserve it. And then there's other female clients that will say, I can't believe that X got this and I didn't get it. And they're tearing everybody down. But I feel more and more there is a lot of room in the tent and we need to support each other and be more encouraging and collaborative when it comes to women. Absolutely. I totally agree. Sharon, this is the final time for Coffee Question. If you could go back to Vassar and do it all over again, but based on the wisdom, some of which you've just shared with us, that you have today, what advice would you give yourself? There are probably several things. I didn't do junior year abroad. I do that, that, that kind of, and that's encouraged a lot right now, but I felt like just really being able to see a different part of the world during that time would have been very additive to my personal and even professional development and mindset. So having kind of like that global mindset, I should have done that at the time. And it wasn't really pushed back at that time as much as it is now. So that would be one thing. And then another thing is taking advantage of not only the alumni network, but just going out on the limb and really talking to professionals, trying to reach out and having informational interviews, basically spending time with people, finding out what they do and not being afraid to ask that question. And what I'm finding is that my children, I encourage them to do that. Even folks that they don't know, just to reach out randomly and say, I'd love to have an informational interview with you. I'm not trying to apply for a job. I'm not trying to get a job from you, even though in the back of their minds, they would be. Um, But I want to just know a little bit more about what you do. And folks like to talk about what they do and what their professional life is like. And I had the opportunity to do more of that. And I didn't do that. Wonderful. Sharon, I want to thank you 
so much for taking the time to have this virtual coffee with me and share so much of your wisdom and your lessons learned and your insights with the Time for Coffee community. It has been such a treat. Oh my goodness. Again, what an honor, Andrea. Thank you so much for having me. You are doing incredible work through this podcast and I really, really applaud you and know that it's going to be impactful to so many. So congratulations on that. And it was an honor to have this conversation with you. Thanks so much for listening to Time for Coffee, where the professionals in the jobs that most interest you always have time to grab coffee 24-7, no matter where you live. I have one quick favor to ask you. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to Time for Coffee. Thanks so much.